Chapter 15 Thursday morning dawned bright and beautiful as Eric sat in the overstuffed chair by the fire, scanning the documents on Alexander's laptop. They'd finished breakfast an hour ago, another ego-boosting experience thanks to her love affair with his cooking. It was amazing what a few simple ingredients and some lessons from Mom could do. Now he was feeling quite cozy, in a warm sweater and comfortable jeans, letting the fire warm his toes. When was the last time he described his current condition as cozy? Probably never. But damn if this wasn't nice, he thought, wiggling his toes a little. A completely unrealistic, utterly futile fantasy, but nice. If there hadn't been files to go through, he probably could have ignored reality like this quite happily for at least a little while longer. But work was never really far from his mind, and he knew Nick didn't want to commit to new clients until he had Eric's input. So he dug in and forced himself to concentrate on the underworld he usually inhabited. Nick had been holding out on him. Eric had had no idea PGI had lined up so many potential new clients in the last few months. He clicked through the dozen or so files on the computer, skimming over the basic details of each. Many of them were thinly disguised fronts for international governments that didn't want to get their hands dirty with any kind of official action. Better to call in a private security force like PGI, who could handle these little problems with efficiency and, most of all, complete secrecy. Some of the requests sent up red flags immediately. PGI had to be careful in choosing assignments. They weren't military, and they didn't have the sanction of any government. They couldn't go in guns blazing and fall back on the higher-ups to save their asses if it all went to shit. If a client appeared too eager, or offered too much money, or provided few details and questionable targets, Eric knew PGI should back off. Especially when the clients were governments looking for an obvious scapegoat for their plausible deniability. Governments. Shit, he'd had more than enough government for one lifetime. The ambush he and his unit had walked right into had been bad enough. His whole ranger team, some of the most highly trained soldiers in the world, had been sitting ducks. Literally. The insurgents, or whomever they had really been, had known they were coming, and had picked them off like ducks in a carnival game. But it was their own government that had passed the buck, blaming one of the fallen twelve themselves for having betrayed his brothers. When Nick had told Eric the whole story, a few months after he'd been liberated from the medical facility, Eric had actually cried. For the first time in his life, he had openly wept, seething with impotent rage over the cover-up, the lies, the fake funerals, and the now-tarnished memory of James Reed, a good man, a brother, a friend. Eric had punched holes in the wall, had broken his hand doing it, and had tried to hide it from Alexandra until it healed. She'd spotted it right away, of course, but to his immense relief she had said nothing, just patched him up and left some pain pills in his room without a word. His hand had healed, but the rage had lingered on, the silent, corrosive rage that simmered inside of him at the injustice of it all, at the memory of his lost brothers, of his lost life. Maybe Eric would have recovered, like Nick and Aiden had, if he had been found along with them and given sanctuary by the locals who'd saved their lives. Maybe he would have been able to deal with it better. Maybe he wouldn't feel such aversion to government-issue-anything now. 
but his abductors had been part of some shadowy government agency, of that he was certain. He'd never seen the faces of his tormentors, but during the few times he was lucid enough, he determined that the facility was high-end and big money. The state-of-the-art medical equipment, the scientific minds required to come up with the shit they had done to him, it had to have been government. And God help them if he ever found out which one. He shifted in his chair and refocused on the assignment files in front of him. Another kidnap recovery caught his attention. Mexico City, again. Another diplomat's child, this time an Australian, this time a son. He rubbed the side of his neck and sighed, frustrated at the state of the world. Rescuing children from psychopaths who had no qualms about ripping them from their homes and threatening their lives. This was what all his training had come down to. At least it gave him a sense of justice to be able to look into the terrified eyes of those psychopaths before he pulled the trigger. It had been a pleasure to personally take out three of the kidnappers himself on that last mission, on top of getting the girl out safely and returning her home. Except it had almost cost him Alexandra. The memory that gut-punched him wasn't so much an image of that day, but rather an echo of the feelings that had overwhelmed him when she'd been shot. He'd once heard it was impossible to remember pain, but he sure as hell did. He remembered it perfectly well. It was the same pain that seized him now, the same visceral, nauseating pain he'd felt as she'd drifted in and out of consciousness in his arms, her lips turning blue, her skin growing colder, her blood oozing out of her and pooling onto the floor of the van. He shook himself, willing himself to banish the memory. He would simply have to force himself to forget it, to move on. She was all right now. She was more than all right. A surge of pleasure tingled through his spine to his cock. She was definitely more than all right. He glanced over at her, sitting on the sofa, going through some research on the surgery she was going to perform on him. Her plan, or so she'd told him, was to gradually remove the implants that were pumping the artificial testosterone into him. Hopefully, over time, his own system would kick back in and start returning him to normal. Normal. He'd almost laughed when she'd said it. He might be a lot of things, but normal would never be one of them. Still, he loved her optimism, her belief in him, her intelligent hazel eyes looking at him so earnestly from behind her glasses as she explained everything to him. He watched her now, engrossed in her work, idly twirling a long chestnut curl, frowning adorably as she read, looking so smart and sexy and irresistible he was glad he wasn't sitting next to her on the couch. She wouldn't be getting much work done if he had been. He smiled suddenly and almost laughed out loud. Shit, he'd had to work hard last night to convince her that she wasn't really fired. The look of complete shock on her pretty face when he'd said that He'd had to go back and laugh and kiss her again just to take it away. And again. And then he'd kissed her again. Small, innocent little kisses that he hadn't allowed to deepen. But still, he'd had to pull away and leave the room before he jumped into that tub with her and showed her just how okay with everything he truly was. Just how absolutely not fired she was. Because he'd known, looking at her rounded eyes, watching her lovely face, pale as she'd gazed up at him from the edge of the tub, that despite everything she'd said, she had been the vulnerable one. 
For all her concern about him, she was the one who was burdened with uncertainty, with insecurity, with a kind of fear that was as much about her own feelings as his. This couldn't be easy for her, he'd realized. She wanted him as much as he wanted her. But she was such a good doctor, such a good person, that she truly worried about his well-being, about his emotional health, about doing what was right and proper and ethical. Ethics. Jesus, look who she was talking to. But she'd really meant it. She didn't want to violate her own personal code, something he knew a little bit about. He admired her for it, even if he did think she was worrying for nothing. Her concern for him had touched him deeply. It went beyond words, beyond the stale platitudes about love and devotion that people tossed around so carelessly. She truly cared about him, and it was gnawing at her that she might be causing him harm. And seeing her uncertainty, her worry, he had known that he would have been the one taking advantage if they'd had sex right then. It would have been the wrong thing to do. He'd known it, even if she hadn't. It had been an odd sensation, actually. He'd felt a rush of tender protectiveness towards her, and it had actually outstripped his lust. For the first time, probably ever, something had surged more strongly in him than his desire for her. His body had ached for her, but his mind had willed the impulse away, as he'd gazed down at her with a new kind of need. He'd needed to see that pained look disappear from her face. He'd needed to see the light return to her eyes, and to see her beautiful smile. He needed it the way he needed his heart to keep beating. So he'd left her there in the bathroom, part of him devilishly enjoying the fact that he'd left her wanting more, knowing there'd be time enough for more later. He'd even enjoyed teasing her over dinner, touching her lightly, shooting her some very suggestive looks, but then abruptly heading up to his room with a quick goodnight and no further explanation. All right, that had probably been a bit much, but he simply hadn't been prepared for sex with her last night, as much as his body had screamed for it. One look into those soft, beautiful, worried eyes, and he would have just taken her to bed and made love to her, soothed her with his body and his words and every feeling he had within him. He wouldn't have been able to keep it cold and impersonal, and he wouldn't have had the strength to leave afterwards and let her sleep alone. He could wait. He'd waited for two years, after all. He was good at waiting. He'd wait until the time was right, when sex would be just sex, when there was no danger of emotions getting in the way, when he didn't feel such overwhelming, Eric, are you okay? He started, then met her eyes almost guiltily. She had closed the file she'd been reading and was looking at him intently. He turned his attention back to the laptop. Yes, fine. She regarded him for a moment, assessing him in that quiet, penetrating way she had. He didn't know why he ever bothered trying to lie to her. She could always see right through his lies or his vain attempts to bend the truth. Christ, she could put some hard-ass interrogators to shame with that cool, knowing look she had. The way she had of letting her victim know she was onto him, but had mercifully chosen not to torture the truth out of him with her mouth, and her tongue, and her sweet, pliant, snug little body, her little moans of pleasure, her, what do you think of the assignments? she asked. 
Bullshit, mostly, he said, his gaze flying back to meet hers. He took in a breath, hoping the unsteadiness in his voice passed unnoticed. Just to be sure, he cleared his throat and shifted in his seat. He looked down at the laptop screen. One or two worth taking a closer look at. Really? she asked, her voice sounding a little more interested than he would have liked. He looked up at her quickly as she tucked her legs beneath her and sat forward slightly, warming to the subject. I was going to ask you about that, actually. No, he said, pinning her with a look. She slumped a little and frowned. You don't even know what I was going to ask. Yes, I do. The answer is no. I was thinking I'd like to come along on the next no. But I'm fine, she protested. I healed up nicely. I said no. You sound like Ricky Ricardo, you know that? She complained. This isn't a nightclub act, Lucy, he shot back. These are dangerous operations for trained professionals only. The answer is no. She bit her bottom lip then, but unconsciously so, he was sure. It was one of her tells. She did it when she was thinking, or rather, scheming, we should say. When she was trying to get her way and make him do something he didn't want to do, like agree to an exam or talk about his issues, or let her risk her life again on some mission she had no business even thinking about. She probably wasn't even aware that she was doing it, or that it was like an arrow straight to his cock whenever she did it, making him rock hard and desperate to nibble on that sweet, plump little lip himself. Taya says I'm officially one of the team now, she tried again, brightly. I have my first bullet wound to prove it. Don't listen to Taya, he said, meeting her eyes. And don't encourage her to want to get one of her own. Oh, come on, she scoffed. You know Aiden would never let that happen. Her words hung in the air for a moment, their unintended meaning painfully, embarrassingly clear. Aiden would never have let the woman he loved get shot. Aiden would have protected his woman with his own life, would have taken the bullet for her. Aiden wouldn't have let a woman so important to him anywhere near a dangerous situation like that in the first place. But Eric? He had let Alexandra get away from him, had left her unguarded, hadn't even checked to make sure she was wearing a vest before she'd run off to find that girl. She'd only been out of his sight for two minutes. Two goddamn minutes. But that's all it'd take it to nearly rip his world apart. Yet another reason, he thought. Yet another reason you shouldn't count on me. He could tell by the sudden color in her cheeks and the way she looked down that she regretted her words. He was sure she hadn't meant to imply that he had failed her the way Aiden would never fail Taya. But judging by that pretty flush on her cheek... She knew she had. I can be useful, especially if you train me, she went on quickly. I just need a chance to prove myself. No. She opened her mouth to protest, but lost the thrust of her argument. She slumped further, and a sound of frustration escaped. <laughs> you know, it's not entirely up to you, Eric. I think, why don't you ever call me Daniel? He asked suddenly, leaping on the chance to talk about something, anything else. You know we all gave up our real names. She blinked. Nick didn't. Nick's an asshole. I swear he wants to be found, just so he can kick the shit out of somebody. All the more reason you should tell him about what really happened during the ambush, she said, 
or what you think happened. If someone was after him specifically, they might try it again. He sighed. Yeah, I've thought of that. So you'll tell him? He sighed again. Dramatically. I'll tell him. Well, good. Maybe he'll let us pick out a new name for him. I have a few in mind. She smiled at him, that warm, impish smile that made everything below his belt buckle start to throb. But as for you, I think you should at least use your real first name. I still use mine. Well, that's different, he said. You weren't one of the twelve. You don't have to pretend you died. Her brow pinched a little. Just a little. She always tried to keep her sympathy in check, always followed up an unschooled look of concern with a bright smile. Still, you don't have to pretend with me. Wouldn't it be easier to just call me Daniel from now on? He sighed. Even when it's just the two of us? She asked, her eyes softening just slightly behind her lenses. God, if he'd ever seen a more beautiful pair of eyes. Taya calls him Aiden, he fished for it, feeling triumphant. She doesn't use his real name. Oh, I think in private she probably does, she winked. At certain moments. Please, he held up his hand in protest. That's a mental image I can do without. She laughed, a girlish, lilting laugh that was like wind chimes on a summer night. Well, I'm sorry, but I can't do it. You just don't seem like a Daniel. His eyebrows rose. And what does a Daniel seem like? Not you, she shrugged. Besides, Eric is nice. Like you. Nice? He scowled. Baby, I'm a lot of things, but nice isn't one of them. She laughed. You are too. You just don't want anyone to know it, but you're very nice. Eric. You're nice and sweet and kind. Cut it out, woman, he growled, but a smile tugged at his lips. Or I'll show you just how nice I'm not. See, you won't, though, she laughed, because you're too nice. He set the laptop aside and rose, coming towards her with an intentionally slow, almost feline stride. He stood over her and braced his hands on his hips, glowering down at her. She looked up at him, blinked, and laughed. She laughed! She had an ex-ranger glaring down at her, trying to intimidate her, and the woman was laughing. He swooped down and braced his hands on the sofa on either side of her, leaning towards her and making her sit back against the sofa with a shocked little gasp. What a nice guy, he growled in his best badass voice, tipping his chin towards the wall behind them. Want to push you up against that wall and fuck you? Oh, I hope so. He let out a harsh sound that was half groan, half laugh, and lowered his head. He couldn't help it. She knocked the kick-ass right out of him, with that twinkle in her eye, her mischievous smile, and the way she was looking up at him, daring him to do exactly what he had threatened to do. She was going to be the death of him. But somehow, he thought, he probably wouldn't mind. She was just too delicious, too intoxicating, way, way too tempting. A dreaminess came into her eyes then, and he realized that if he didn't withdraw, she was going to kiss him. Or, more likely, unzip his jeans, and they might just end up against that wall after all. No might about it. She gazed up at him, tilting her head to look at him, her eyes flashing with clear invitation. Christ, he'd be pinning her to the wall and slamming into her in about thirty seconds if he didn't move away. Right now. 
But it was more than that, he thought, feeling something lurch painfully in his chest as he smiled down at her. If there had been even the slightest possibility that he could just scoop her up and engage in some fun, playful sex, he would have done it. But the way he was feeling right now, he knew that wouldn't happen. He still felt oddly protective towards her, still wanted to just hold her more than he wanted to fuck her, terrifyingly, bafflingly more. If he did take her up against the wall, they probably wouldn't stay there for long. He had a feeling he'd end up carrying her upstairs and falling into bed with her, and neither one of them would emerge for days. So he pushed back and straightened up, hating the look of surprise and disappointment in her eyes. His cock surged uncomfortably for about the hundredth time that morning, letting him know that she wasn't the only one who was disappointed. You know what I'd like to do right now? He asked, smiling lasciviously at her. Her eyes flared and she grinned. What? What I'd really like to do? She rose up on her knees. What? He licked his lips. Go get some more firewood. She launched a pillow at him with a frustrated yelp and he backed away, grinning. She hurled several more of them at him as he threw on his coat and boots. Laughing, he slipped outside before he had a chance to give in and carry her upstairs to bed. <laughs>